Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Uh, my kids tell me I have a dad bod. I prefer to think of myself as a good father figure. <laughs> I know, it's another dad pun. That's how I roll. Oh, how y'all doing today? Good, good. All right, so here's the deal. Um, normally, I want to get real theological with you and all that kind of stuff. About uh, four months ago, God spoke to me about this morning and told me to go a completely different way today. We were going to um, stay with the sermon series we were in, and uh, eh, that's not happening. So I've got a message for you. As soon as I deliver a message, we'll say a prayer and go home. How's that sound? All right. I got a bit of a sermon, but I got a message. I got a setup for the message using the sermon. But I believe there's a message for you. And I didn't just say for fathers. I said a message for you. And uh, I, I want you to hear it. I believe it's a very clear message. I think you'll get it when we get there. Um, but in honor of my dad, I wanted to talk a little bit about my dad passed away a few years ago. And this past week, I was scrolling through some stuff, and I found this picture. I'll be honest. You want a, you want a grown man to cry? You want a grown man to cry? Ask him about his father. He'll either cry because he loved his dad so much, or he'll cry because he's so mad that he wants to scream and peel the paint off the wall and do something. It's amazing that dads have the power to bring back emotions nobody else has. I looked at that picture, and I didn't want to scream at the wall. I miss my dad. I love my dad. I respect him. There's no matter better man, I believe, that ever walked on the face of this earth than my dad. There's some things he did incredibly well. Now, my dad provided strong discipline. You respected authority around my father. <laughs> I, you know, we got a problem. We got a problem in our culture today that, um, that I don't believe we... we respect authority the way we ought to. Just listen to the way that you talk about the President of the United States. If not this one, then the previous one. Just think about the way you talk about him. And uh, the fact is we have a problem with authority in our culture. We have a problem with it. We don't respect authority the way we ought to. And I want to tell you something. If you lived with my dad, you would have learned to respect authority. There was one night I remember in particular that I, we were, we didn't grow up the richest uh, in the world. We, uh, we were in a two-bedroom house. Me and my brother were sleeping in the same bed. And I don't know what we were doing, but uh, my brother was five years older than me, and he was a punk. And anyway, <laughs> he would do things like put his cold feet on me just to make me yelp, or I don't know, or he'd throw a pillow over my head and ask me if I could breathe now, or things like that. <laughs> Uh, anyway, it was one of those nights, and w the more than one time, I, he was five years older than me. Part of the reason I, I guess I grew up a little tougher than most is I had my brother, and fists flew often. It must have been one of those nights fists were flying. 
And uh, I, I lost until I was 19. That's a different story. <laughs> That's a different story. Anyway, uh, Dad came. He stood at the door, and I'll still remember his hulking figure standing there at the door with a light shining behind him. And he said, boys. And that's all he needed to say. And then, then he said, boys, don't make me come back here again. <laughs> you knew if you walked, if dad appeared in the door, it, it was not going to be good, right? Yeah, so I, I grew up respecting authority because I had a dad that made us respect authority. You know, my dad also impressed upon us work ethic. My dad worked 40 hours a week at Whirlpool in a factory. I had a 2.2 GPA my first year of college. Then I worked in the factory Whirlpool one summer. I don't know if you know what it's like to work in a factory where it's 105 on the outside and there's no air conditioning on the inside. But I worked in a factory one summer. I went from a 2.2 GPA to a 3.5 GPA. <laughs> I realized something. I'm not tough enough to do what my dad did every day. My dad had work ethic. He would work 40 hours a week. He would come home, and I would always hear this, all right, let's go to work. <laughs> because we mowed grass, we did odd jobs, in the winter we cut wood. Uh, we, it, my dad worked. My dad worked a lot. And um, I, I would just tell you, we made a lot of money. We bought, we bought a boat, we bought a basketball court, all from our work, all because my dad said, no, we're going to work. And dad would work 20 hours, another 20 hours a week after his 40 hours a week in the factory. And usually me and my brother were in tow for that. So work ethic. <laughs> my dad was a great spiritual example. I still remember dad reading the Bible at night because dad couldn't read um, when he got out of the military. He could barely read. And I still remember him opening up his Bible at night and opening, sitting there with an open Bible, reading out loud, uh, moving his lips as he was teaching himself to read, reading the Bible. And then he read the Bible for me and my brother, and we had all kneeled down and pray. And I, I remember how many nights I fell asleep with my face in the couch, listening to my dad pray the same words over and over and over again. <laughs> wow. He didn't have to yell boys at me that night. I fell asleep listening to him, to him pray. Maybe he learned something. My dad always took us to church. Always. There was, there was not a time dad didn't take us to church. And usually on Wednesday nights, we had a, this was back in the day when trucks, people ride in the back of trucks. And I, I, we had this contest going at church in Royal Rangers. And on Wednesday nights, I would take boys from school with me. And literally, there would be eight to ten boys in the back of the truck going to church with me every single Wednesday night. Because my dad didn't tell me to go to church. He took me to church. I, there are a couple of studies I found. <clears throat> one of them, <clears throat> study one, says that if a lady brings a child to church, they have a 28% chance of staying with the face. But if a man brings them, it's 76% chance of staying with the faith. There's another study that says if both father and mother attend regularly, 33% of their children will end up as regular churchgoers, and another 41% will attend irregularly. But only a quarter, uh, uh, if the father is an irregular attender, only 3% of the children become regular attenders. Do you know what that means? 30% increase, two 
30% increase if dad is there. Um, you want your faith passed on to the next generation? Ladies, we love you and respect you, and we want this to be the church where you can do that if you're a single mom. It's going to happen here. But all the studies tell me that if you want your kids to follow faith, dad, it's your job. My dad played with me. He played catch, baseball, took me fishing, skiing. As a matter of fact, we worked extra hard to get a boat. So uh, this is my dad at 75 behind that same boat. At 75, my dad's trying to get up on his knees on, on the tube as we're pulling him and begging me to try to knock him off, <laughs> which I believe I did. Um, my dad, by the way, that's at 75. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, because good work does you good, keeps you alive for a while until stupid interstitial lung disease takes you out. My dad would kiss me. Never had a problem for male affection. My dad would kiss me sometimes. This was the weirdest one, all right? Can I tell you the weird one? When I graduated from college, my dad was so excited, he kissed me right on the lips, right in front of everybody. I'm like, Dad, that's a little weird. <laughs> Why do I do these things? Because I want you to know that I never question whether my dad loved me. Uh, by the way, this picture was taken like a week before I graduated from college. Dang it, I can't look. I miss my dad. I love my dad. My dad loved me. I never questioned whether my dad loved me. But he wasn't perfect. He was far from perfect. As a matter of fact, there are some times where my dad was too strict and he punished too severely. Yeah, him and mom's biggest fight was over one of those times. Uh, there were times when we should have played, dad made us work. There were those times. There were times when my dad should have talked to me about guy stuff rather than me having to learn it in the locker room. Can I repeat that for fathers? There were times my dad should have talked to me about guy stuff instead of letting me learn it in the locker room. And there were times when my dad should have spoken up. He should have what? Spoken up. So, um, tell you a painful story. We were, um, we had been at this church, started this, we started this church in 92. I had a couple of kids. We, we had built a few buildings. Uh, it was a Sunday morning. My parents came up for a visit. They come up from Oklahoma. And um, they were sitting at um, dinner table after service. Man, service was powerful. Several people got saved for the first time move of the Holy Spirit in the service. And I mean, you could just feel the presence of God. It was one of those good mornings. And I go home and we're sitting at the lunch table with my mom and dad. And um, a 40-year-old me, still looking for dad's approval, looked up and said, so what'd you guys think of the service? You know what that is, right? Crickets. Nothing. Finally, after about 30 seconds of silence, or what felt like 30 seconds of silence, my mom spoke up something. 
And I looked at my dad, and I, I didn't know how to process the moment. I still didn't know how to process. I'm 40 years old. I don't know how to process the moment. I happened to be going to a counselor, though, and uh, the counselor and I just happened to meet like a week later. And we're having a conversation, and, and I tell him about the awkwardness of the moment. And he asked me one of those questions. What did you want? I said, I wanted my dad to say he was proud of me. And I realized in that moment, I was 40 years old, and I never heard my dad say he was proud of me. Actually, I think I was 43 at that time. I'd never heard him say he was proud of me. You know, my dad should have told me that. Can we be honest? We being honest? So unlike many of us, I did something. <laughs> because real men need to learn to do what? Speak up. The name of the sermon today is speak up. Real men learn to do something. They speak up. Going through my counselor, talking to him, I realized I needed to speak up. So a little later when we were talking to my dad on the phone, I said to him, Dad, why didn't you say something there? Remember, this is a man didn't know how to read when he left high school, went through the military, could barely read. He had never heard in his life, I'm proud of you, from his dad. And he didn't know how to do it. He didn't know when to do it. And he didn't know the hurt. He didn't know. So I told him, that's all I want to hear from you, Dad. I'm proud of you. And he began to gush in my dad's way. <laughs> and to say, of course I'm proud of you. I love you. I'm proud of you. I've heard I've loved you my entire life. But wait, come on. Those of us that are go-getters want to hear at some point, good job. Right? From that moment on, for the rest of his life, my dad never missed an opportunity to tell me he was proud of me. Because it was never a problem with his heart. It was a problem that he didn't know he was supposed to speak up. All right, y'all got a Bible? Open with me to Hebrews. Chapter 12, Hebrews 12. Would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word today? Remember, this isn't just a message for fathers. This is a message for you and for I, but it's very appropriate on Father's Day. There are two parts of this message. The first one is your responsibility to speak, and the second part's going to be your responsibility to listen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. What kind of fathers were they? Human. human. Everybody's got a dad. You can't get into this world without a dad. <laughs> it ain't happening. And something happened through that dad. Even if he was never there from the moment you were born, something happened through that dad. So we all have human fathers. And you know what? The Bible does not tell us that we're supposed to ignore all of our father and mother's weaknesses. It says we're supposed to do what? Honor them. Honor your father and mother. Isn't that one of the big Ten Commandments? You can honor 
your father or mother, even if they were never in your life, you can still honor them because when you look in the mirror, some of your DNA is with you. So we want to be people who respect and honor. We can call out the failures and the faults and the mistakes. We can call those out and recognize them as fact in our parents, but we can still honor them. Moreover, we've had human fathers who disciplined us and we respect them for it. How much more, how much more, remember we're talking Hebrews and remember the word in Hebrews is always more or greater, right? How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Now these parents, they disciplined us for a little while as they, this is, love this word, as they what? Come on. As they can we just do one word? As they thought. <laughs> as they thought, but they thought it was best as they thought. So we honor when they think. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, because the goal of your life is not today, the goal of your life is later on. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Even the failures produce a harvest if you are trained by it. There is no pain. Listen, I know we live in a world that says that we aren't supposed to have pain. And I know that we live with a Christianity that says we're never supposed to experience anything bad. I'm going to tell you, both of those are lies. You are supposed to experience bad things because how will you ever learn if nothing bad ever happens to you? So let us be trained by bad things rather than be grumpy about them. So, Father, I pray that today you would speak to us. You would speak to us and we would listen. And we would learn that we need to speak up. Thanks. Amen. Amen. Turn to give somebody a big smile for you're seated and say, I'm glad you're sitting next to the best person in the room. Hey, if you're online, I'm glad you're with us today. All right, three statements I want to make specifically to fathers, and ladies, you get to listen, but I believe they all apply to you. Y'all ready? Number one, do your best. Do your best. The verse we just read said that dad thinks. Dad thinks, and he considers what's best. Now, the problem I have with our culture is we've created a culture where men are not expected to think. Dad are expected, men are expected to be bumbling idiots. Well, at least that's the message you get off TV. All advertising, radio, shows, movies. So we've created a culture of reliance upon women for thinking. It's the reason if a guy comes to me and says, or a lady comes to me and says, I want to get married. She says, we're going to get married. And I'm saying, I'm not marrying you until, until your fiance contacts me. I will not marry if a woman contacts me. I won't do it. Do you know why? Because the guy isn't going to pick out the dress. He's not going to pick out the location where they eat. He's not going to pick out, come on, the music. He's not going to pick out any of that stuff. You know what he wants to pick out? The honeymoon. That's what the guy wants. All right? So I want to do something. I want to get the guy involved. And we have a culture where, honestly, the struggle is, is that, ladies, you, we love you. We respect you. We honor you. Ladies, you're amazing. The problem is, though, you're a little bit control freaks. (laughs) 
I, I'm not being disrespectful here. Without you, things wouldn't get done. We respect that, appreciate it. But sometimes you're getting things done in the household makes your husband a roommate instead of a participant. And we've created a roommate situation where this person does this and picks the kids up and moves there. And, the, the, and, and it becomes that we've divided culture. Uh, culture's divided us into roommates once you get married. And, and we forget why we get married in the first place. So I just want to say, dads, it's all right for you to think. You can have an opinion about what the kids ought to wear, where they ought to go, what kind of school they go to. You can have an opinion about how you're going to use your money, what we have for dinner. You should be able to have an opinion on all of those things. And I want to encourage you to participate in that. And then if there's some tension, here's what I want you to do. You ready? I want you to make out. I would to God that husbands and wives would actually make out. You know what make out means? You remember how you used to kiss back before you got married and how fun it was? Wouldn't it be great just to have like five minutes of that again? Part of the problem is, is that what we've done, we've created roommate world instead of a relationship world. And dads are slotted into their, men are slotted into their culture, and ladies are slotted into their culture. And if we don't, if we don't intentionally force a mix, we wind up with a life where we live two separate things while living in the same house. And um, maybe that doesn't happen to you. Maybe you're the exception. But come on, I do way too much marriage counseling to know it's happening. And I want to encourage you, make out, take a walk, look at each other deeply in the eyes. Let the kids die. <laughs> that's, what, that's what's going to happen if we leave them alone for five minutes. Right? I tell you what, the, the healthiest thing you can do for your kids, man, the healthiest thing you can do for your kids is to love their mama. Woman. The healthiest thing you can do for your kids is to love their daddy. This culture is wrong. Men have brains, not just bodies. Men are called to be more than goofy jokes or emasculated by culture. I almost found that Pee Wee Herman. Do you, did anybody watched a suit lately? Anybody seen a suit? I went to buy a suit not long ago for some guys, and I noticed how they fit. They fit like Pee Wee Herman suits. Do y'all remember Pee Wee Herman in the 80s, how we made fun of him for walking around with his socks up to, you know, pants up to there and his suit really tight and he was like this? And now I walk at these guys, they're walking in downtown. They're the coolest guys on the street and they're walking along with no socks and their so pants are up to here and their suits are like this. And they can't move because they're poured into them. And I'm wondering, why have we made caricatures out of men? It's all right. I saw a guy walk in today, he was wearing his... Fedora and his, his bill, he was wearing his. Come on, man, I love that shirt. I just want to tell you, all he needed was a pair of Bermuda shorts and some flip-flops, and I'd been like high-fiving him all day. Hey, listen, listen, listen. If it's camouflage that you like and, and the big beard, I'm fine with that. I just want to say this to you, okay? Listen to me. Listen to me. Quit letting the world set the agenda of what it means for you to be a man, and why don't you be the man you want to be, all right? All right. Men are called to be more than sexual or financial, uh, called to be more than their sexual or financial exploits. If you grew up in the James Bond era, or you grow up in the modern porn era, the message to men is your sexual exploits or how much money you have is what makes you a man. I, I want to tell you what a real man does. 
A real man gets on his hands and knees and lets his grandkids walk right on his back. It's, it's all right to be a real man in today's culture. You can have an opinion. You can have a thought. You can go against culture. You can sometimes do what you think is best even when it's a mess. Men are called to be masculine, not push over wimps. How would, I wonder what would happen if World War II broke out today, or World War III broke out today. Everybody would be playing it with video games. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, the guys that stormed the beach in Normandy weren't doing video games. And thank God for that generation. As a matter of fact, I want to show you how even Christian culture has changed how we view ourselves. Can I? It's 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on your guard, stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. By the way, the word be courageous there is, that's very good. There's a problem though. That's not what the word says. Uh, I looked up, in case you were wondering. King James says, watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. I'm like, quit you like men. What does quit like men mean? No, no, quit you. I guess that's some old. This is the reason I don't read the King James, because it tells me to quit being a man. That's not what the text says. And that might have meant something different in the 1600s than it means today, right? But it, there's something we're missing in both locations, because the ESV says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. So I, I did a look it up, what that act like the men or be courageous. And it's andrezeste. Andre is the word for man everywhere in the Bible. Aceste, the word literally means play the role of a strong man. If you're going into war, you know what they would yell to one another? Andrezeste, let's be men. Let's do this like men. Because, guys, there's something in you that if somebody were to break into your house and try to harm you or your family, you would die for them. That's, that, by the way, is in men. It's a natural thing in men that I don't think is... I, I know there are parts of it that are in ladies, but not like it is in a guy. Because guys, I want to tell you something. There's something in you that would die for those you love. And you would do it. You're... You've got the same ilk in you as those guys that stormed the beach in Normandy. You are a man. And there's something in you that you will die for the big moment for those you love. And what I would like to encourage you to do is not just die for your, those you love in the big moments, but die for them in the day-to-day -day moments as well. Act like men. Our text says that dad is not condemned for doing what he thinks best. Sometimes... Your thinking isn't right. Right? Any dad's ever done this? You, like, totally missed it? Like, <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll cover that in a second. Let me just tell you what the text says. The text assumes that dads are trying to do what's best and gives them credit for it even if they miss it. I'm going to say that again. Our text today assumes that you're trying to do what's best and gives you credit for it even when you miss it. As long as you're trying to do what's best, you get God's support and blessing. Sometimes it is the wrong thing, like waiting another exit to go to the bathroom. <clears throat> Sometimes it's the right thing, <clears throat> like making your kids do their choice, chores even when they're whining. Sometimes it just turns into a great sermon illustration when dads do what they think is best. So we got a video for you. 
is a big day, Heather's, let's see it as a before picture. Hold on. Okay, do you see it's ready to come out? She's lost only two teeth, and this is the top one. This is gonna hurt horribly. Are you ready? No, it's oh, not. it's gonna Stop hurt it. so bad. Don't Kay. cry for the camera, okay? You ready? Yes. I don't know what's holding it in. Hold on, hold on. Her, her head is holding it in. We'll do this this way. <laughs> Let me stick this up in here like this. Holy smokes, <laughs> what are you doing to this thing? This is the like problem a, this is, is like a nightmare. <laughs> it's so loose. Get some money for this tooth, that's all there is. Here, turn, 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 turn. I want right, five dollars. Here, Matthew, take. It is a tooth that first. never ends. One, two, three. <laughs> I can't take care <laughs> Dr. Crow. All right, so th there were wiser ideas. I, I'm not going to go into the whole story of that, but there was a better way to handle that, right? There's always a better way. And, and you know what, though? It's something that we laugh about now, and, and I think my daughter still likes me. As a matter of fact, that leads me to redefine for us what it means to be a success in this world. Um, several years ago, I had to redefine what success meant because I realized that my view of success was only putting me on a, the hamster wheel and I couldn't win. And through the help of my counselor and prayer and time alone, talking to my wife, I redefined success as this, that those who know me the best love me the most, that I have enough character and integrity I stick with it enough that those who know me the best love me the most. And if when it comes time for me to kick out of this world and go to heaven, if the people who were closest to me can say, like I can say about my dad, he was a great guy. I loved him. Never doubted what he wanted for me. That makes me a success. And there are some of you in this room, you're chasing the wrong, you're chasing the wrong success target. So even if you get it wrong, if you show up over time and you really care, your wife, your kids, your church, your world, they'll know who you are and they will love you. So second thing I want to say to dads today is speak up. The, another thing the passage taught us today is that fathers are called to teach. And the word used there is pideo, and it means, it's basically used of a school teacher. Uh, pideo is one who instructs young children, and it instructs them to chastise, train, teach, correct, give guidance, and educate. So basically, a dad's job is to teach his kids something. So you're teaching them, how do you do this? Well, of course there's example, you know. Of course we set an example by our attitude and our action, but it's more than that. It's more than just that. As a man and a husband and a father, you must speak up. You must speak up. Some people may not listen, 
but that doesn't absolve you from your responsibility to speak up. Yes, we set an example for the world, but we're called to speak up. I want to give you this in a biblical principle, all right? And it's two, uh, two um, places in Numbers chapter 30 um, where it says, first of all, when a young woman still living in her father's house makes a vow to the Lord and obligates herself by a pledge, and her father hears about the vow of the pledge, says nothing to her. Says what? Nothing to her. Then all her vows and every pledge by which she obligated herself will stand. But if her father forbids her when he hears about it, none of her vows or pledges by which she obligated herself will stand. The Lord will release her because her father has forbidden her. And then down in verse 10 in the same chapter, if a woman living with her husband makes a vow or obligates herself with a pledge, under oath and her husband hears about it but says, says what? Nothing. Then he is responsible for her pledge. All the vows which she made she is obligated will stand. But if her husband nullifies them when he hears about them, then none of the vows or pledges that came from her lips will stand. Her husband has nullified them. The Lord will release her. The husband may confirm or nullify any vow she makes uh, or any sworn pledge to deny herself. A husband may do what? May confirm or nullify. He confirms by his silence. He nullifies by his voice. There's a spiritual principle here. This is not about domination of men over women. This is not, that's not what this is about. This is about a woman goes to God, makes a pledge. The husband hears about it. If he just simply accepts it, he is then responsible for her pledge. Why does this matter? This isn't about domination. This is about participation. <laughs> Guys, listen. We have a responsibility to speak up. We have a voice and you need to use it. Ladies use, uh, according to some statistics, between two and three times the number of words per day as the typical male. That's all right. They use more words. That's fine. But sometimes in there, what happens is guys go silent and we think silence is golden, but sometimes silence is just plain yellow. So, um, years ago, in the, in the hearing of my younger, or of my middle child, my oldest decided that she was going to try the age-old trick of pitting mom against dad. So she went to mom and said something, didn't like the answer, came to me and got a different answer because it was first time through. Oh, man, when, when I heard what happened... I had a responsibility in that moment. The responsibility I had in that moment as, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. I want ice cream, mom says no, come to dad because he's a softie, he always wants to treat his little girl, so yes, I said yes, or whatever it was. I made a decision in that moment that you would never again, no child of mine would ever pit mom against dad in my household. I was harsh, I was strong, I was probably a little too harsh and probably a little too strong. But I wanted to lay down a law. And the law is this. Y'all ready for this? When she speaks, I speak. And when I speak, she speaks. And you know what? We may fight it out. There was one, one time that I was speaking up behind the scenes, and we fought for the better part of a year before we got that sucker worked out. Our kids didn't know it, but we were fighting it. Because I made a decision, and the decision I made is that I didn't want to be a yellow man. I wanted to, I wanted to be... A golden man, a guy who speaks up. And I want to encourage you, dads, 
You have responsibility. There are things right now going on in your world you're not comfortable with, and you're not talking about it. And if you don't talk about it, I'm not talking yell. I'm not talking to be a jerk. I'm talking speak up. Listen to me. You will be held accountable for what you stay silent about. That's your scriptural principle. Last thing I want to say about speak up is, what would God say? What would your father say to you? Well, listen to what your father says to you. Now, now, can we all admit that God is all of our fathers, right? God is our father. He's the father of us all. What do you think God would say to you? If we are encouraging dad to speak up, what would our heavenly father say to you today? What would he say? There's some of you, you immediately go that he's going to rebuke you. All right, if he would rebuke you, then just listen to him. Just listen, all right? By the way, those of us that are dads in the room, let me, let me tell you what our kids don't need from us. They really don't need more negative comments. I heard, a, I heard a statement the other day that one negative comment has the same equal amount effect as five positive comments. One negative has the same impact as five positive comments. That could be, and so I, I was thinking about that, I heard that, I put it in my sermon, and I wrote down Proverbs 16, 21 in my notes to make reference to. And then I woke up this morning, and you want to guess what I just happened to be reading from the Scriptures today? <laughs> Proverbs 16, listen to this. Verse 21, the wise and hard are called discerning, and gracious words promote instruction. But it doesn't just say that. Verse 23 says, The heart of the wise makes their mouths prudent, and their lips promote instruction. How about this one? Verse 24. This, I'm on the same page. I haven't moved. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, healing to the bones. Why all of these words, these statements about words? Because what would God say to you? You think he's going to yell at you, and I think he would probably say something different. See, we have an example. There's only two times in the Scriptures where God literally spoke. Where God spoke. We know it was God speaking, not some angel or voice of the Holy Spirit. There's only two times where God spoke. Do you know what he said both times? He said it both times. Matthew chapter... 3.17 and Matthew 17.5. Matthew 3.17. This is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. This is, Gen this is Matthew 3.17. This is the first. Jesus hasn't gone into public ministry. This is his baptism. What has he done? What? Nothing. He hasn't worked a miracle. He hasn't preached a sermon. He hasn't done anything. And what did God say about him? This is my son. I love him. I'm proud of him. A little later on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, God speaks again. This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. I'm proud of him. Two times God spoke in the scriptures. What did he say both times? This is my son. I love him. I'm proud of him. What do you think God might say to you? See, some of you, when I talked about your heavenly father speaking to you, you went negative. 
And I want to tell you that pleasant words promote instruction. What God, I think, would say to you this morning, if you were to hear the voice of God booming in your head and in your ears, he would say, you're my child. I love you. I'm proud of you. You give me joy in my heart. And I have a message for you today. Because I had a different sermon for today that I was supposed to preach in my series, and I said, forget it. I'm going to deliver the message. Y'all ready? God loves you. He's proud of you. He knows your name. He knows who you are. He knows what you do. And he still loves you. And he's still proud of you. And what we need to learn to do is respond to our Father's voice when he speaks to us. Like this video. Me and my wife were looking at some old home videos recently of our youngest daughter being born. I'm going to show you the video. Not her being born, because my wife would be like, you doing what? We got some conflict we need to talk about. So it's a video of our youngest daughter being born. I took this video. The video you're about to watch is a video I took, but I didn't understand the power of it until I watched the video. So let me set it up for you. She's like two and a half minutes old. Our daughter's two and a half minutes old at the time. And um, they got her under that little chicken warmer at the hospital, the little <laughs> thing to keep the french fries warm. I don't know what kind of insurance we have, but that's what they got her under. Go ahead, go ahead and get in place. And the nurse is about to clean her up, and she starts to cry. I want you to notice what happens when she hears my voice. Okay, for it, I'm right here. It's okay, it's okay. I'm right here, I'm right here. We're doing just fine. It's okay. It's okay, I'm right here. Right here, yeah, it's okay. Okay, baby. Yo, so that was pretty powerful, right? Now, now it's like seven, seven and a half minutes or so later. The nurse is done cleaning her up, and she starts to cry again. I speak up, and she stops crying again. But I want you to notice what happens when I tell her I love her. Okay, it's good, it's good, it's good. I'm right here, I'm right here. I am right here. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yeah, I'm right here, I'm right here. It's okay, it's okay. I think God would say something to you today. I love you. I just want you to revel in that a little bit. Because often we think we got to earn or do. But this morning, I'd just like you to receive. Just like you to receive the love of God. Father, I pray that. We would be men who speak up. We would speak up and say what needs to be said, good or bad, we would speak up. We, hey, let us do what we think is best, even if, it's a, even if it's a train wreck. Let us speak up.
And Father God, you're speaking up right now in this room. Around this room, you're speaking. And I pray that we would hear it. And we would hear the words of affirmation you would give to our soul. And we would respond by opening our eyes and our ears and our hearts. They're going to sing a song real quick. Would you just revel in this moment a bit?